Howdy do, buckaroos. This is Greetings from the Uncanny Valley, the incomparable Westworld podcast. Thanks to Jason and everyone at Incomparable for hosting us. This is season two, episode four, the deep dive into the riddle of the Sphinx. I'm your host, Kelly Gamont. With me, as always, is Don Melton. Party on, Don. Party on, Garth. We have a guest for the first time this season. You may remember him from the Rewind episodes. This is board member Jim Truer. Hi, Jim. Uh, hi, Kelly. Uh, just one question. Is this now? Is this the podcast? <laughs> um, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I haven't had my daily dose of cortical fluid today, so uh, my narration may be unreliable at this point. God knows I'm a cord low. <laughs> so... Uh, we are going to talk about the Riddle of the Sphinx. And the first thing I want to say about this episode is that one of the things that makes it unique in all the episodes we've had so far is that this one is the first directed by Lisa Joy, which is the first thing she's ever directed. Lisa. Yes. Oh, and by the way, folks, we're we're not timing this one because uh, this is this is our analysis in depth. You said that, right? In depth, I said deep dive, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm an idiot. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, something to correct what you and I said on the reaction show that the, um, opening of this one is, it's not a cold open. I'm an idiot. Uh, it's not a cold. Oh, open. It like episode, with the theme. Right. Yeah. Okay. But it was the opening of the show was not a homage to lost, uh, season two, episode one. Because apparently, I couldn't believe this, Lisa Joy has never watched Lost. <clears throat> How can you and, fucking work for J.J. Abrams and not watch Lost? <laughs> well, okay, more importantly, how can you work for J.J. Abrams and if you have not seen Lost, show up on set that day with that sheet and not have somebody take you aside and go, yeah, you know, J.J. did this other show. Can I show you like 10 minutes of that right now? <laughs> well, apparently, I mean, honestly... Apparently, somebody on set did tell her that very thing. They didn't get out a video and show it to her, but they told her on set uh, filming uh, the scene, and she was like, oh, really? <laughs> she had never <laughs> seen it. But, Which is fine, and I liked it as the like nod to. It's really interesting that they are so similar to me um, because it was so unintentional. Yeah, it was so... Uh, but. Here's something that was was very intentional. There, uh, they post a video, a really cool video on the HBO site, and that uh, someone on Twitter uh, linked um, uh, linked to us for. Um, yeah, I believe. Uh, and uh, Lisa talks about her motifs, circles within circles within circles. Everything's a circle because it's all mm -hmm. about loops for humans. And the fact that she wanted to do a pullback to do the reveal on everything rather than a push in because a pullback mm -hmm. is more disorienting. Um, and yeah, it's I thought, not the normal notion as you like move through a space and take yeah. in like what it is and start processing. Like you walk forward into a room and you look around the room and you advance into the room. And so doing it backwards feels off. And like at first I couldn't quite figure out why until I figured out we're moving backwards to see all this instead of moving forward to see all this, which was kind of an, it was disorienting. It was cool, but it was disorienting. 
So the other thing I thought was interesting is so they picked Lisa Joy or she actually picked this episode herself out of all the scripts at the beginning of the season to direct. And it neither one of the female leads, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Evan Rachel Wilder as Dolores or uh, Tandy Newton as Maeve, are in this episode at all. They're not in I there. Know. It's two uh, of the three male leads that this uh, this episode focuses on. I thought was very very interesting. And so why would you know why would she pick that? The other thing I thought was funny is that Jonah Nolan, her husband, said. Uh, that he and the co-writer had written this really bright, upbeat story for this episode, and Lisa had <laughs> made it, it all dark and depressing. So <laughs> obviously, he's full of shit. He was just kidding, but I thought that was cool. So this is one of my favorite episodes of both seasons. I think. Oh yeah, I, just I, for I, how I, it's put together yeah. and how everything moves along, but I feel like we spend the right amount of time on everything. Yeah. You know, sometimes you watch a show and you're like, ugh, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, even if I hate him, I still kind of want to find out, like, what they're doing and stuff, like, on this show. But I've never had, like, oh, cliffhanger, and they cut to somebody else, and I'm like, no, wait, I want to go back to that other one and find out what happened. I'm, like, absorbed in the next thing. And sometimes not all shows know how to pace that properly. Yeah, they've been very, very good this season with that. Uh, so mm-hmm. far, but this episode, in thinking about it uh, more, because I was talking to somebody online about this, I really do think this is the best directed and best paced episode, not only of the season, but possibly the series. I'll second that. There was actual payoff at this episode, um, like on the micro level and like at higher and higher levels. Like it kind of worked on every level, right? Um, we got to find out more about. Um, what what did you call them? The the red brain cupcakes. The brain velvet cupcakes. Uh, brain velvet cupcakes. We found out more about what Delos's purpose is actually. You know what they're actually doing at the park. Um, yeah, it was great. Spooky and sad too. And the thing is, you got to wonder. So they've done all these reveals by episode four. What the fuck haven't they told us yet? Because you know. This is not <laughs> the know. climax of the season, right? So right. There's but you more made a co- list. So oh. I know the stuff that we saw that we haven't seen. Yeah, from the trailer. Yeah, twenty-seven <laughs> items. Does that make sense? So I, I blurted that so out. So Don goes list. through every goddamn trailer last night and early this morning <laughs> with a clipboard. Seen with it? a clipboard, making notes of like all the shit that we haven't seen. And Kelly and I first thought it was like only we could only think because we were talking online about this, like maybe five, five maybe six, right? Yeah, like I'm like, there's, there's not much left. Like, overall, I was sort of going through it going, there's not much left we haven't already seen. So they're going to, like, that's what we know is going to be in episode five because at most, all, they've really, all they're really going to give us is stuff from the first half of the season so that then, like, nobody knows. Because remember, they released the first five episodes yeah. to press at, uh, in advance to screen for reviews and stuff. So... My presumption was that uh, they were going to, like, since the first five were out there, that's all anybody was going to ever get to see. And that from six to the end, we were, like, everybody was going to be in the same boat. 
And it doesn't you know, sound like that's true because there's a whole lot of stuff we haven't seen you, yet. You can't cram all that that list. And, folks, it's really long. You can't cram all that in one episode, I think. Even if you make it We will it 70... post it somewhere, and we will we will uh, link you. The, I think um, it's probably going to end up on Reddit eventually anyway. So um, I was really surprised because I went looking because we'll when you told me about, you know, hey, has anybody made that list? And so, like, I'm – you know, I said, I'm on it, boss. I, I'm looking online. I'm looking on Reddit. It's like, fuck, nobody made out a list of this. So I'm like, rrr, rrr, rrr. which was fascinating to me. Like, how am I the only person who thought we should try comparing these to find out just how much we have not seen? And it turns out to be quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, just just to give you some of the highlights from it, uh, uh, folks, I mean, uh, we we haven't seen Dolores in Ford or Arnold's library yet. Uh, we haven't seen uh, 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 Bernard shooting a machine gun like a badass. Uh, we haven't seen um, uh, uh, James Delos and Logan by the pool. So we know James Delos and Logan are going to be back for that. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen uh, Charlotte in the room full of nard dogs yet. Uh, you know, there's just all kinds of shit. You know, uh, Ketchita finding naked Logan in the desert. We haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I mean, there's just tons of stuff. Maeve injured and bleeding on a table. I don't oh, think that's, that's right. going to be a next next episode. Well, and, you know, the other thing that I think of is, you know, we were told from the get-go by the show itself you have a narrator, and that narrator is super unreliable. So I wonder how much of this is stuff that got edited out of the first five episodes? Because, you know, sometimes you see a trailer, and that scene in the trailer didn't make it in the film. Well, yeah, but Jonah Nolan addressed this about the trailers directly in an interview because he said, you know, somebody asked, how are you going to get all these weird-ass... This, do- this doesn't make sense as a story, basically, the uh, person was asking. And he said "There's o- there's only been ever one scene that is not actually in the show. Oh, wow. And, okay. And was it the Rickroll? Surely no, no, it was no, the no. Rickroll. Well, he wasn't talking about <laughs> the Rickroll for that one. He was talking about Too the bad. Super Bowl trailer where um, Dolores addresses the camera directly and says, it's oh, our right. world. Our, it's he our said, world, yeah. yeah, yeah. He said that particular thing was filmed just for the trailer. Oh, sure, when sure. When she says that. They were filming other things on that day, but that line right. is not in the show. And the other thing is he said uh, that the Bulls uh, scene was digitally enhanced to put the code in it. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, that the thing that, that appears um, because that was a Easter egg for Reddit to go and find all the other, the ARG mm-hmm. shit on the websites, right? Yeah. But the the bulls and everything else are supposed to be in the show. Right. So we're supposed to see that. Okay. Uh, so, um, uh, but Nolan was very clear that he wasn't going to, uh, include anything there. Now he hasn't spoken specifically about the Rick roll video, how much of that <laughs> is actually going to be in the show. And I did, and I specifically did not include that stuff in my list of 27. If I'm going to put stuff, you know, it'd be about another uh, five or six items long if I was going to include right. the Rickroll yeah. video. Bernard waking up on the train being like a prime example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you've, you've got Bernard coming out of the train door, spoiler alert. But... Yeah. yeah, I've got that on the list. But that was in 
uh, one of the, cause I went through, uh, uh, there are two versions of the Super Bowl trailer and there are two versions of the full season trailer. You know, there was the one that they published online and that's on HBO and there's the secret one with other scenes mm-hmm. uh, that was on the Dallas website, which included, by the way, the scene that we saw this last week of uh, James Delos with his face carved up. That was with in the secret video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was in the secret video. So uh, and it also included the scene with um, the man in black uh, walking outside the um uh, the fishbowl, uh, with Ellis inside, uh, pitching a conniption fit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and Kelly and I were arguing about who was that out of focus in the background. And I told her, Oh, I think Reddit has figured out that that's actually James Ellis. And she was like, well, I'm not sure. And (laughs) turns out Reddit was right about that one. (laughs) Well, on this show, it's 50, it's honestly 50, 50. You could be right. You could be wrong. Like, oh yeah, well, and there's there's theories that I've got listed down here that I wrote that I'm sure there's going to be. I'm going to be <laughs> lucky if I get fifty fifty on this shit. So, um, but you know, there are things that were factual that I get wrong all the time too. So, so yeah, it yeah, happens. Th- yeah, it happens. So on the the interesting thing I thought about you were talking about, about Kelly the structure of the show mm-hmm. and making it really tight is there's really only four big segments of the show that they broke up. There's the, the James Delos and William segments. There's the whole stuff about ghost nation, which includes uh, everybody's favorite Hemsworth. And the woman we now know is not just grace, but Emily grace. Mm. Uh, there's Bernard and Elsie um, uh, and the drone. Who are fantastic. Yeah. Like I just we gotta we gotta give props. Jim, how excited were you when Bernard came around the corner into that cave and we see Elsie on the ground? Oh, we cheered. It was nice to have her back because she was the she's the primary character right now that looks at the park and goes, This this is fucked. We gotta go. Um we don't really have any other character that's <laughs> looking at this as a person would, except for those poor schmuck guests that are strapped to a log. Um yeah, she's always been the one to basically say it like it is, which is refreshing when you have stupid office politics and fake people running around. Code here. Yeah, right. Well, I think one of the great lines is when um, her reaction is when Bernard says Ford's dead, and her line is "fuck me." Yes. So, <laughs> which really encapsulates how bad the situation is, and so the the fourth segment of course for the show is really the story about the man in black and Lawrence which to me you know I, I it's like which one of those has the most I mean you can well the ghost nation segments are a little bit thinner than the other three but you could build entire episodes out of those mm-hmm. James Dellos and William uh, Bernard and Elsie or the man in black and Lawrence I mean the man in black and Lawrence that was really the in a way the heart of the episode I thought so, and part of why I thought so is because I thought it was really, for me, watching that, it was really interesting to see the man in black see himself in Craddock. Yes. That's how it felt to me, is that he was seeing, like, he was seeing this behavior and sort of, like, coming to the conclusion at some point of, like, wow, that guy's an asshole, and, like, 
yeah, all that guy is doing is all the stuff I did last on my last lap through the park. Yeah. So that to me was really interesting. Like it was almost like he was seeing himself through completely different eyes and it was really interesting to watch him react to that cuz I don't I don't feel like he went into it finicilocratic. I don't think that's where that No, was he going. wanted he wanted to use Cratic and his goons as uh dragon fodder to to get to his goal. He needed some red shirts. <clears throat> yeah, and... he needed some red shirts and they were the red shirts. Right. Legit. I get where he was going with that. But I think but that was the thing to me was like at some point I think I blurted out um he didn't want to have to kill Craddock and here we are. So it was and I think it's partly because he saw so much of himself in Craddock. Well, and I think the thing is, you know, cuz he's he's having those flashbacks to Juliet's suicide, you know, the steps mm-hmm. his his in the red bathtub. Let's talk about that for a minute. It yeah, was in a it's red not bathtub. Blood. It's a red <laughs> bathtub. I went back and I paused. It's a red bathtub, but but I love the line that he gives to Craddock there. You know, uh, in the end, you know, where he says, "You know, you think you know death, but you don't." And Craddock says, "Is that so?" And he says, "You didn't recognize him sitting across from you this whole time." And good God, that was chilling. I mean, oh, and it was del- it was delivery that made that line. Like yeah. anybody else could have said that, and we all would have rolled our eyes and chuckled. But when Ed Harris said it and just meant it with every iota of his being, it was just it was terrifying. Yeah, and when he when he comes to Craddock in the end, and he says, "Don't worry, amigo, I'm here now, watching mm. over you." <laughs> he's fucking death right there i, mean, was, I am that become death that's yeah. yeah yeah i am become death and uh you know the whole thing about getting craddock's men for dragon fodder even when uh lawrence at the end says you know his cousins want to come along and help him and he's like and he he almost feels bad you can tell it's like they're not all gonna make it dude you know he, mm-hmm. essentially he tells lawrence and it's like you think of the transition and then, then immediately forward through um, Lawrence's creepy as fuck daughter uh, starts right back at him. Yeah, right back at him. So that was that was really great. That was really great. And he's, you know, it's almost like it. You just pulled. She pulled the scab off the wound that had grown over there. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. But you know the the opening. To get back to James Dellis and William, um, I, I went through and started looking at that room and the brilliance of Lisa Joy, as you said, and the set decorators, the uh, and the music, you know, "Play with Fire" uh, by Ro- the Rolling Stones, which, by the way, was selected by uh, Lisa Joy. She picked that song out. The Fishbowl, which I think. Um, Jim, you and I were talking about there. Uh, and something I noticed uh, later on by pausing frame by frame, that book that he's reading, mm-hmm. uh, that's The Sirens of uh, Titan by Kurt Vonnegut, uh, oh, which if okay. you know what the story is, is kind of appropriate in a way for what's going on there. I also thought it was interesting in the multiple scenes with him. You know, the first scene we see when he's on the ba- bike, he's pedaling forward fast. 
the next scene, he's pedaling forward slowly. And the final scene later on with uh, Bernard and Elsie, he's pedaling backward. Mm-hmm. That's and, not an acceptable way to reset the odometer, but yeah, um, yes. pay for effort, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but your your well, your observation, Jim, about the about the goldfish is that in the second, when we look at build number thirty one, we don't know what the first build number is. But I paused on the uh, text screen on the second thing, and it's build number thirty one. Uh, is it's obvious that Delos is Williams' goldfish, right? Totally. That that one was the saddest one, maybe, because it's like uh, William's looking at him like he's like a science experiment, like he's smiling and just cringing ever so slightly. Like, this is really hard to watch, but I'm interested in seeing what you'll do next as, as Delos is sputtering and stuttering and I'm trying to get any word out, like struggling as hard as he can to just completely failing. And William just says, that's OK, I'll be back tomorrow, which is, of course, a total lie. Um, yeah, because he, he has him burned alive. Yeah, that's pretty cruel don't do that to your goldfish people which is you know and obviously somebody asked uh lisa joy this in an interview it's like uh, you know it seems like kind of inefficient to burn you know the whole room and all you know all the Mm -hmm. props in it uh, to reset the thing and she said you know to be honest it's it's for the metaphor right he's in hell Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's obvious he's in hell right (laughs) yeah well I, i mean yes uh, my question would not w- would not have been a, a prop question. It just would have been more like, in the world, how sad are you <laughs> that you keep that you burn down all of those beautiful things? That belt driven record player and that super awesome coffee table and like the couch was super cool looking. Like that, I was, I was looking at that going hourglass. Yeah, (laughs) like looking at that stuff, you know, kind of going, geez, Louise, like mostly, uh, I mean, I just thought it was super cool. Now, I will argue until well after this show is off the air that that song should have been Make Your Own Kind of Music by Mama Cass. And (laughs) if people are talking about, you know, leaning in, like, first of all, come on, they gave us a maze as the label on the record. Come on. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the thing nice, to me. Not, nice addition. <laughs> yeah. So we talked a little bit about this uh, on the reaction show because friend of the show, Tom Bridge, mentioned to me that the the thing on the ceiling in the center of his room is also in the opening credits. We see it in some of the other labs and stuff. But specifically, it's also in the opening credits. Yes. And that was the thing that was notable to me about it. Uh, it's just that round design in the ceiling. We see it in the lab above Bernard and Elsie, uh, the drone host, Brain Velvet Cupcake Factory. Um, and we, we see, see it, it in the credit, the new intro credits where it's above the mother and child. Yes. The long shot of the mother and child with the light behind them as the two robot arms come in are on the sides. Um, that's like, it's, I mean, the whole thing is, is black on black on black. So you kind of have to like pause and really look to see it, but it's there. And that was the thing that was very interesting to me is it was from the credits. Not that we saw it again in the episode, but that it's a thing we've been staring at all season. Um, Oh, something yeah. I was gonna I was gonna mention also from uh, visit number two, where we still have Jimmy Simpson as a young William 
doing his, medium William. I like medium to call William. Him. Um, well, we know it's seven years later, and he is channeling Ed Harris even more and brilliantly and subtly. But the music in that sequence is um, "Do the Strand" by the uh, Strand Roxy by Music. Roxy Music. Uh, just just a favorite. But it turns out that was actually not selected by Lisa Joy or Raman Jawadi. That was selected by Peter Milan because Lisa said, "I want you dancing." this sequence what do you want to dance to so he's the one who picked that music so he got to pick and he picked roxy music yes good man (laughs) i like it so i thought bowie but you know it's bowie adjacent it'll it counts it's bowie adjacent so (laughs) uh and so uh there's there's an interesting interesting set of lines from those two sequences i I love the the first sequence who were like i said we don't know what the bill number where the big important quote to me is when williams uh says to answer tells us questions like why the fuck are we doing all these question questions Mm -hmm. fidelity and then when uh in the second sequence where della says i'm not in california anymore and william says oh if you can't tell if you can't tell, does it matter? Yeah. And so this is the... Oh, I freaked out. I, no lie, I freaked out. Yes. Yeah. So this is the whole thing. We'll get when we get to theory time and some of the notes and stuff later on. But if you can't tell, does it matter is, is like the whole crux of the show and this whole question about immortality, which I have problems with a lot because I think there should always be a, t- a way you can uh, tell. But what the hell... Um, but the the sequence with Ed Harris as old William, Jesus Christ, where he just comes to it and calls him what was the line a veritable shithead? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was awesome. Watching them go toe to toe was pretty great. One thing I noticed about all those conversations is that William, in every one of them, is wearing all black. I was wondering how many times he had to practice that. Like if, if he went in beforehand, it was like, okay, pretending like, okay, you I'll be William because I'm William and you'll be Delos because you're not William. Um, if he actually had to rehearse basically all of that script to trigger the right lines. Cause it's interesting watching the last one, how fast he um, Delos basically reroutes back to the normal um, sequence His of loop. lines. Yeah, he mm-hmm. gets to his loop real quick. Um, I think as uh, as soon as he figures out that it's William, and I think when the um, when the booze is offered, he's like, "Ah, oh, here we go," and steps right back into it. Yeah, steps right back into his loop in hell. Jesus, <laughs> poor bastard, <laughs> poor bastard. Um, so before we get to the uh, uh, some of the other character threads and going in that, I just wanted to point out in the Ghost Nation thread the first time we see. Um, Katya Herber's character tied to that log or whatever the fuck it was. What was so great is that we also see uh, tied to the same log is uh, returning guests Curry Graham as Craig and his wife playing his wife Lena uh, Georges as Lori, and I was just laughing my ass off. You know those those were the two who uh, shot up Hector in episode one. Uh, to prevent him from uh I just want to say yeah (laughs) yes and they're obviously having marital problems uh so uh well they weren't before they sure shit are now (laughs) yeah 
also, you know, we had so many reveals. Now we know what happened to Stubbs, right? Mm-hmm. Hooray! And uh, now we know how he escaped because they let them all go, right? The Ghost Nation, you know, Akechita walks up to, after Katya Herbers has, uh, has escaped, which seems kind of pointless now. Uh, mm-hmm. And after Akechita walks up and whispers to um, Stubbs, um, you live only as long as the last person who remembers you. Which to me, that's got to be a Ford line, right? Yeah, that sounds pretty Fordy to me. Yeah, and but as soon as they do that, they do the let me fake fake you out and pretend I'm cutting your throat, and then poof, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. So that was a that was a weird couple of sequences there. I still, you know, I've read. I've looked at Reddit this week and I've, I've read all the theories on ghost nation and I think they're all wrong. <laughs> it's like, I, I have no idea what's going on there. <laughs> Jim, do you? Uh, no, of course not. But thank you for putting me on the spot. Um, I'm hoping that they ran off to Shogun world to be ninjas there based on how well they vanished. Um, I'm also kind of half expecting, I, it makes sense to me for each. That's a great of the- theory. <laughs> It's, like it. Well, it's the best I got. Um, each section of the park basically having its own ghost nation that is mm-hmm. the spooky outlier um, part of the park. Basically, the you you shall go no further. This is the end of the line. We're going to knock you out and drag you back to town and deposit you there. And then you get to wake up in a cell or whatever. Um, somebody had a theory about them basically being like parks host-based park security about making sure that nobody strayed too far off the beaten path. That would be um, me. Yeah, that was you. I think that's the most plausible thing that. Um, the- and that's a and Kelly's theory, by the way, is a lot more plausible than the other things I've heard on Reddit. So they they were put here by space aliens is one that I've seen. Oh, just, like, just, oh yeah, just nutty well, shit. But I think Jim, that I think Jim, you are also sort of agreeing with me, not necessarily about them going into another park, but um, I believe there's a contingent of them in every park. Yeah, and I think I. We'll know more if we see something like this in Shogun World or Raj World. Is it Raj World? Raj Park? I forget what it's, it's called. The Raj. The, the Raj. Raj. Mm. Because um, that's yeah. cooler. We'll have like <laughs> the same GN acronym, I would think. Um, just to kind of – every park has its ghost nation, only they're named differently but function the same would be my guess. Yes. Yeah, me too. Uh, so we're, uh, uh, so it's clear based on the trailer segments and the big ass list that I have, we're going to see more out of ghost nation and catch this certainly over the before, years we, via flashbacks and other things before, obviously before Logan killed himself in an overdose, you know, we're going to see how he got rescued from his, uh, from that last visit he had. Before we go on too far, um, remember, was it last episode when Ghost Nation was going after Maeve and Hector and all of them? They were trying to take – they only were interested in Sizemore, right? Yeah. Right. Does it make sense that they were basically grabbing all of the humans to drag off to this little safe human haven? Well, and that yeah, they are outside uh, they, of the rest of the Awakening? Exactly. Yeah. Well, that they goes, to, like Ke- the that goes to Kelly's theory, which is the uh, – so far, that's the only thing I've heard that made sense. Yeah, if you want a crazy bonkers theory, it would basically be that Ghost Nation is Ford's little mercenary group and that mm-hmm. he is controlling them like little fingers, basically trying to keep his precious, pathetic, weak 
flimsy human safe um, would be would be <laughs> well, maybe another theory. Well, yeah, but he, he you know, he let uh, I could go for that, but he he's very weird. Obviously, he's very selective uh, selective about which humans he wants to make safe. Uh, obviously, I think he he intentionally had Bernard save Elsie. Sure. Right. And he could have killed the man in black a long time ago. Um, and he's keeping him alive for what purpose we don't understand. I totally understand. Well, I think I totally understand. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we'll get to that. And sorry, my sorry. wacky theory too. But uh, he, he may be in charge of the ghost nation, but you know, why would he pick uh, as much as I like those two actors uh, 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 Curry and Lena uh, Georges. Why? Why would he save Craig and Lori? Because they pissed on Sizemore with his poor, you know, the lesson <laughs> is with Hector. Of course, it's like that guy. All right, I like that the, makes that sense guy. now. That makes sense. There we go. Okay. We've got a crazy... so I just didn't think they were discriminating. I think they were just rounding up all the people because they were rounding up all the people. Uh, yeah. So it's a it's a larger pro. Oh, okay, so it's a larger program. That makes yeah, sense. What? What let's did go, Dolores... let's go with let's go with Kelly on this one. Just... Well, what did Dolores say when she shot the the Ghost Nation guy in the first episodes? Like the the Valley Beyond isn't meant for you, something like that. Not it's all of us every... deserve to go. Yeah, I wonder if she can tell which hosts have a little bit of Ford in them. Um, Maybe she can. Um, she might have a different assessment mechanism than what everyone else has. Or it's the lo-fi nearby brainwave antenna stuff, and she can tell. Oh, the mesh network, yeah. The mesh, yeah, thank the mesh you, network. yes. Yeah, it might be. Well, she obviously has access to a lot more me- – because she's one of the yeah, oldest she- hosts in the park. She has, a- And she's been out of the park multiple times. She has access to a lot more information now that she can access yeah. all of her memories, right? And she so practically she knows has a access- lot of shit. In fact, yeah, in this episode, she has access to the wiki. Yeah, she has access <laughs> to the wiki. Uh, in fact, in the one of the scenes that they did on the previously uh, on Westworld was very clearly pointing out that Dolores said in episode two reunion when she, you know, she's having Angela boil the uh, uh, the tech guy that they offed in episode three. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You don't, uh, you don't know what this, uh, what this park is for, but I do. So she obviously knows mm-hmm. about what was going on in, in in Lab Twelve with Jim Delos, but she also knows something else that we don't know yet. And I'll get to that. Now, skipping ahead to Bernard and Elsie, I also thought a fabulous line from that whole segment when after Elsie. Uh, patches bernard up the first time before she fills him with uh uh cortical fluid she said if i didn't know any better i'd say you shot yourself this is why we love elsie is because she's incredibly uh, perceptive um i also wanted to point out you know when they go inside the room there um with james delos and he's clearly off his nut i mean yeah he is glitching uh, and and I must say, in his previous scenes, uh, that Peter Milan has went to the Lewis Hertham School of Glitching Out uh, very, very well and uh, obviously took notes. Uh, mm-hmm. But this stuff is totally wacky and scary. Uh, and apparently, um, uh, Lisa Joy was inspired by 
a few films from the great, uh, I believe, Russian director Tarvosky. Tarkovsky, I can't pronounce his name correctly, um, uh, and uh, made it really creepy. But the dialogue that uh, Nolan, his co-writer, wrote for uh, for Delos was, as near as I can tell, it appeared to be inspired by Dante's Inferno and Milton's Paradise Lost. And when you go into those works, uh you know, you, you can find a lot of stuff to creep somebody the fuck out. Uh, what did you say last, last episode, Kelly, that there might be one or two biblical themes this season? (laughs) There's definitely some, some, some very biblical stuff happening with regards to somebody being a little Jesus-y and, uh, you know, if you have a Messiah, what happens when you reject them and, you know, different things like that. Like, you know, Maeve flat out said earlier, I, you know, you have a God. I killed him. I mean, Delos is in a literal circle of hell is another thing if you're going to invoke Inferno, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I love his line. Uh, the, the quote that he said is, they said there were two fathers, one above, one below. They lied. There was only ever the del- a devil, and when you look up from the bottom, it's just his reflection laughing back down at you. Laughing at you, yeah. Yeah, laughing back down at you. And, you know, talk about family-friendly entertainment here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's feel-good kind of stuff. I mean, Jesus Christ, folks. I mean, if you get weirder... Um, so there's a, well, there's a lot more... Well, and it was super interesting to, to, to watch that moment sort of because watching Bernard and Delos there together they sort of seemed like somehow mirrors of each other like it almost felt like that's exactly what Delos was seeing in Bernard was the reflection laughing looking down upon him laughing you know even though Bernard wasn't laughing because it, both of them are robots. Like, you know, when we get down to it, neither one of those characters is a human character. And watch and, and seeing like the outcome of each of those after they each broke in their own individual ways and then how they handled it, I thought was a really interesting way to bring attention to each of those characters as development through the show. Yeah, they I, seem I like to... that idea of reflection. That's interesting. I like that. And they seem to recognize what each of them were respectively, um, like almost immediately. In fact, like that was what I like. Bernard seems shocked that this man who's been dead forever is here. So clearly he must be a host. And even James Delos and his um, mild, he was mildly disaffected. He was having a moment, but he'll be fine later. Um, <laughs> even he seemed to recognize like Bernard, wait a second, like this, this guy's a host, clearly. Um, it was sort of like they were each having that process in their head. Wait, I know that guy's dead. So if I'm seeing him here walking around, oh. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, I don't think anybody from Dulles had actually ever seen Arnold. So, uh, in fact, Ford was the only one who ever knew what he looked like because uh, they were so secretive. So I'm not sure about that point. But the idea well, I wonder of the about, reflection. I wonder if James Delos had. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out this. Uh, like I said, we haven't seen 
uh, old Jimmy and his son Logan by the pool. So Christ only knows what else <laughs> we're going to see of him this se uh, season. Uh, now, we, we also get uh, some great reveals and other conversation um, uh, after um, uh, Bernard and Elsie step away from the lab and, you know, Elsie presses the button to terminate and it, of course, it sets fire to everything again. You got to wonder if Elsie actually knew that was going to happen because that would be really horrid. But she does ask, please tell, she does say, please tell me that was a host and not a human. And <laughs> then they have the conversation yes. about what's, uh, what's really going on. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but that was there were so many reveals in that set. I was like, how can they do this in episode four? <laughs> I mean, you know, aren't you just because shooting the they whole know lot how much right stuff now? They have to reveal. Wow. And I, so, I, if we've got all this information by episode four, think about why we're getting all of this so early. It's because there is so much more story to tell in the six we've got left or the twist is that the second half of the second season is basically nothing but like apple tv screensavers of like rolling hill <laughs> you know a bunch of dead hosts it'll be great it'll be beautiful I'd still i watch, would love if that turned I out would... to be an apple tv screensaver is like the night of the premiere or something if you have your apple tv on and you go to the screensaver it's just the sea full of hosts or or sweet water or something up against the beach and that's it it's just you, nothing but Dolores dropping people, the same can over and over. people are sick, but I, I would watch it too. <laughs> yeah, That's totally. why you're here, Don. Yeah. Yeah, Something so, to relax exactly. to. So the last segment, uh, The Man in Black and Lawrence, you, uh, Jim, you had some good uh, comments on that uh, and some of the dialogue. Well, yeah, just like the opening is Lawrence bitching about their lack of supplies. And he goes, in order, whiskey, tobacco, low on ammo. Like, those are the priorities in that order. And I thought and that was pretty he's great. He's holding the bottle of whiskey. He's really Yeah, it's like... Why is the rum always gone? Um, yeah. Well, and remember Craddock says when when he's got the church full of town and says he wants to make a deal, I think he says we need weapons, whiskey, and ammunition or something yep. like that. Like, But whiskey is like first or second, and like food I don't think came first for him either. Whiskey is food. It's fine. Um, <laughs> the, I was bummed out that, that the man in black keeps saying that Lawrence isn't his friend. Like that, does that not make anyone else kind of sad and bummed out? Well, yeah. But the, the thing is, he's also an unreliable narrator because what he did, it's obvious uh, that Lawrence is his friend, right? Yeah, but I just want him to but, admit but, that to it, others it, and to himself. I want him to say what, it out loud because then he, we know he means it for himself. Yeah. Right. One true pair. But, Think about the other things he said, like when uh, Lawrence was talking about his, his own daughter, and then he talks about uh, William's daughter saying, y you think she'd want to watch you gun down in front of her? Probably. And then the man yeah, actually. says, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought but his delivery definitely. on that was just so great. It was beautiful. Well, when I was watching that, I said it a split second before he did. He goes, do you think you your daughter would want to watch you gun down? I'm like, yeah. And then Harris <laughs> goes, Probably. Uh, now, can we talk about that for a minute? Because I feel like that was the mo one of the most interesting host things we got. Because I don't think Lawrence this lap knew that the man in black had a daughter. I think oh, Lawrence he's, is he's remembering. remembering. Yeah, he's yeah. remembering. He's, yeah, he's absolutely waking he's up. remembering. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's, I'm, that's, I'm. That struck me the same way. Yep. And I'm most interested in. Where Lawrence ends up once he's awake, 
just like I'm interested in where Teddy ends up once he's awake. Because we've gotten other hosts who are awake, and we've seen, like, we've seen where Angela is, we've seen where Dolores is, we've seen where Maeve is, and we can see that Teddy's maybe not on that path, mm. but we're not 100%. We saw... I don't know that Craddock was ever really awake. I think he was just an asshole start to finish. Yep. Um, I don't know that he ever got more interesting than that. And... So I'm curious where I'm very, very curious now that it sounds like uh, Lawrence has heard about some some violent delights where he's going to end up. And what I hope is that. Yeah, I know how this sounds, that the humanity that he has, which is how he, by some fluke of nature, ended up with a wife and a daughter, like somehow reminds him of his friendship with the man in black and that they are friends. So like, that's part of what I was thinking about Jim, when you were talking about that, when he, when he said, well, you have a daughter. Um, that's what I was thinking about was he remembers that because it was important to him to remember because you guys are friends. And hopefully he doesn't remember the time that the man in black was like, this guy prefers death by firing squad or, <laughs> Any of the other more, miserable more torments. Or hung him upside down and drained his blood to fill rope. in, you know, yeah. to, to fill up Teddy. I mean, that's what, that's pretty good. What's gruesome. a pint between friends? It's fine. What's a pint that's between what I'm so. That's why I'm so interested in where this turns out. Because if Lawrence does remember, like, basically what he's going to remember is this, this guy's, guy's kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah. What a piece <laughs> of shit my friend is. And where's that going to go? But I have one friend. Yeah. Aww. And he's terrible. You know, like, I'm... That's why I'm curious, but also, but you know, the, the more rest we of the show Lawrence, could just the be more... Ed Harris and Clifton Collins Jr. in a buddy movie, and I'd still watch it. I told you that's what I wanted on Lost. It was Miles and Hurley in the van, and on this yeah. show, it's those two on horses. That's all I want. I would watch that. Like if they released, you know, like YouTube fifteen minute sections of conversations. Oh, if they just yeah, went and I'm shot better. for like two days, you know, and got truckloads of this stuff and just released a new one every so often between seasons i would watch that so hard because watching the two of them ride around and talk about stuff would be unbelievably interesting it would be more interesting than some full-on produced multiple character shows that are on television now or just like bickering like an old married couple or they but get you know lost that's and... gonna happen the, it's the, so perfect. that's implied Oh, totally. Well, they were doing their it this... chemistry is fantastic. It yeah, really they were is. doing it this episode. Oh, by the way, uh, I was going to say we now know that Raman Jawadi is a host because <laughs> he's actually right. he's actually playing the Spanish style guitar player uh, in this episode, <laughs> and I did not realize this until the sa- uh, my second watch with my sister. And I was like, God, that guy looks familiar. Uh, and uh, when I watched it the second time, and so. Um, Yep. Yep. And he did. He did an interview where he talked about it a little bit. I think. Yep. Yep. Uh, and what was so, he playing, Don? Uh, he was. Uh, I the, believe he was playing uh, the Man in Black's theme. Uh, nope. Sweetwater theme. Sweetwater? I thought. Sweetwater, Sweetwater theme. theme. Oh, yep. Okay. I I noticed the Sweetwater theme, but it wouldn't have connected it to Raymond Jawadi, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, so it was th- totally him. So there was. So I uh, have to tell you, the day be- like the day before, like last Saturday, before I watched the episode. Um. I was flipping past PBS and they had a documentary about Animal House because Animal House wasn't filmed far from here. And uh, it turns 40 this year. And 
they were doing this documentary about it and they had a couple of people talking about the scene where John Belushi takes the guitar from the dude and smashes it against the stairwell. So they showed that scene like a few times in this TV show I was watching. So when Craddock walked over to the guy with the guitar, I, I was convinced he was going to just take the guitar and throw it up against the wall. Welcome Sorry. to watching Westworld with Kelly. Yes. Sorry. There you go. Bang. That would have so, been funny. It, I would have laughed so hard. So, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Random okay, observation so, from Kelly. So, uh, so Don being anal as usual, I wanted to point out some things in the show to get back to the big Bernard and Elsie reveals because that, that's a lot of the meat in here. Uh, and I wanted to apologize to Kelly publicly for getting the fucking numbers wrong. But there are... <laughs> There are, I didn't even notice. We'd only seen it once at that point. Yeah, there are two numbered but secreted and bump, bunkered labs that have appeared this season. Both are adorned with a double helix and or infinity symbol logo, usually on the doors, but also a motif mm-hmm. inside. Both contain drone hosts. Everybody's scary as fuck uh, household uh, servants. Uh, both appear to be run by the Delos Research Group because you see that on the note uh, for the dialogue for James Delos, and you see that back uh, with Charlotte on some written material in episode one. Uh, lab four, number 14 with Charlotte and uh, Bernard were in episode one, and that's where they're collecting the guest DNA and host memories. And lab 12 is the one that we see here in sector 22 with Bernard and Elsie. Uh, and that contains what it appears is called the Protagoras Project, uh, which is what the James Delos uh, fishbowl thing was. That was the whole, like, uh, uh, project was. It, it, but it's unclear if the project is just about copying a human mind into the Red Pearl control unit's within the host-like body, maybe the Protagoras project is outside that. And Protagoras is, by the way, something you find out about if you play the Westworld ARG on the various websites. You find Mm -hmm. out about that information. So So, when they said it in the show, when Elsie was talking about it, she was saying Protagoras, Protagoras. And to me, the first time through, it sounded like she was saying Protagonist Project. Oh, Protagoras. Oh, okay. So that's the way. Which was very it. confusing to me because I was the protagonist project. Like there's on the nose and there's, oh, come on. Yeah. And so, um, so I looked, I did uh, look up Protagoras, uh, the dude. And because it's a dude, it's the name of a, a Greek philosopher. And what an asshole, too. He, he, he could work in the Trump administration considering oh, some of his real. ideas. But one of the things – he said a thing that was very controversial at the time, which was man is the measure of all things. Yeah. And Plato said that that statement meant um, it's not – that that absolute truth is not a thing. It's what you deem to be the truth is the truth. Well, who died and put Plato in charge of morality, right? Yeah. <laughs> True. Socrates. Uh, so that's the answer to that question. No, <laughs> and that's why – That's why. Uh, so Protagoras, you pronounce his name, it shows you what an idiot I am. Thank you, Kelly. So uh, again, 
the you know that man is the measure of truth again perfect for the trump administration but uh it kind of makes sense if you wanted to describe this wacky ass immortality project as something like that right mm-hmm. okay the measure of all things yeah yeah so so by the way on that project the delos technology i it's not immortality via consciousness transfer as near as i can tell it's simply a half-ass duplicator or as jim wrote in uh, it's, a, it's notes, a whole ass it's the complete ass but it's just not acid compliant unfortunately yeah, yeah, so exactly. there is degradation <laughs> but, and loss over time but my point <laughs> is that the the original person and consciousness still dies you know which would not if you want to be immortal that doesn't seem kind of fun so the James Delos host hybrid thing doesn't remember his death since it's likely his memories were copied before that happened. That's why he doesn't remember dying. He says, you know, when he says repeated times I take it, I didn't ma- uh, make it, right? So, mm-hmm. and also, by the way, when they, if that's the way the project works, there's no reason given so far that prevents multiple copies being made from the same data because it looks like in the lab there when Elsie is examining the stuff that um, that's in the machine and she finds this big-ass file that doesn't look like their normal code, it's obviously the consciousness, it's the original copy of the consciousness of James Dulles, right? It's this huge fucking file. And that's a thing where, you know, uh, Bernard says, oh, I've seen something like that before in Peter Abernathy's head. So that's uh, it's obviously to me that that's what Abernathy was. He was carrying somebody's consciousness around in his in his head as a file. Right. So uh, so there's nothing preventing them from making multiple. Um, well, and the and the drone hosts were doing that. They were making multiple uh, velvet cones there. Right. Were those all James Delos's copies? My hunch is no, because I think there was at least I, I whether or not they put it in a different body, whether or not we actually see it exercised. I'm convinced that there is a Ford flavor brain velvet cupcake. Oh yeah, well I'm pretty sure is as uh, and when we get to theory time, it's uh, I'm pretty sure that was who the. Uh, the little uh, red pearl that uh, Bernard was uh, crafting on the control unit printer was for. Oh, right. He had to print a new one. Who is it? I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be Ford, right? So, I mean, there there are choices there. It could be it could be Ford. Uh, you know, some people online say it's Arnold. Some people say it's the man in black, which I think is stupid. Some people are arguing that it's young William. There are people saying that it's... Uh, uh, it's um, Juliet. That it's uh, uh, that it's um, uh, the daughter Emily. Uh, you know, you know that it's the guy that we saw in the the woman that we saw in the background with a purple dress from that episode. So, you know, it, it just the theories are just completely fucking nuts, right? Or you know, so but it it's obvious it's. The one that makes the most sense is Ford because of everything else that's happened. I mean, how the hell could a Ford program before his death to know that Clementine needed to take 
uh, Bernard to that secret lab then because he was a quart low on cortical fluid, right? Ford's con- Ford's the he's the puppet master. He's still in control, and that's because his consciousness, a copy of it, is still plugged in somewhere. It may not be plugged into a host body, but it's plugged in somewhere. And remembering that uh, Bernard 3D printed this little marble on behalf of Ford kind of helps narrow down the list of suspects too. Mm -hmm. Like it's probably not a copy of Teresa, like running down the list of dead people. Odds are slim. Yeah. Odds are slim. slim. Yeah. And we, we don't know how they took that rip of whoever it was that they took. Like they didn't just shove somebody's head into handbrake and say, cool, great. Um, It seems like it would have had to have been a voluntary thing that like James Delos volunteered for. And maybe Ford, you know, stuffed his head into the bowling ball eject thing. Well, and you have to back that whole thing up a step. Like, if you want to talk about Ford as puppet master, um, remember that Elsie's never been anywhere else. She's been in that cave that whole time. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then when Ford told Bernard to go get her and then put her somewhere, this is where Bernard put her for a reason. And if he was acting on Ford's orders, then Ford was the one who decided this is where Elsie needs to be staked down. Sure. And yeah. Ford has a clearly has a sense of humor leaving her with protein bars in a bucket. It's not a nice sense of humor, but it is a little well, funny. That may have been and that may have been Bernard, we don't know. Like, mm. you know, again, free will. Like where does Ford's instructions end and where does Bernard's friendship with Elsie begin? Like, sure. you know, those may not be the same thing. I did think she took it really well when She's a champ. when Bernard's like, Hi, robot, malfunction. You know, as he's like sitting on the ground having a kernel panic, and she's like, <laughs> "That's not a th- oh, like yeah, she like she rolled with it a lot better than, and maybe it's just because like the rest of her brain was like, ain't nobody got time for that right now. Um, you can freak out over your robot boss later. Uh, right now, you know, he needs an oil change. So, right. well, the question is like, uh, will Bernard tell Elsie? because he had that memory while he was standing there in the lab that he uh, ordered everyone killed in that lab and bitch stomped that one tech to death himself. Oh my God. Was that scary as fuck? By the way, Bernard is a badass. Like when he tackled James Delos before that and he just whomped him down a good one to protect Elsie. That was about the only disappointing Elsie moment was that she let, Delos get so close when she had the gun on him. It's like, no, 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 back up. He will take the gun from you. Stop. Yes. Just shoot him. It's okay. Just mm-hmm. shoot him. Uh, but, and then there's a question is, so, you know, so because uh, uh, the other question is, will Bernard tell Elsie that he killed Teresa? No. You know, Not a chance. Uh, so I don't know. I get the feeling he doesn't think he has anything to lose by telling her any of this stuff. Because remember... If that I were know true, he's he unreliable. Well, but it hasn't come up yet, and right now they're in a right now they're in a very need to know kind of a thing. Like we don't have time for a heartfelt conversation. We don't have. We're all in the same place. It, it There's was not self-def- even time for the walk and talk. Yeah, him not telling her that or telling Elsie that he killed all of those people was total self defense on his part. Um, well, she's got the gun. but we don't know if he just hasn't told her if he isn't just hasn't said anything yet because remember it seems like. In all the other conversations that they have, when she starts interrogating him about stuff, he it 
And again, just to me, it seems like he's actually trying to remember and actually trying to be honest with her. Yeah. It, I I took it as I just remembered all of this, and I'm really not going to tell Elsie any of it because it makes me look real bad. Um, that well, was the. But here's the funny thing: is, is Bernard's still holding the gun when they walk out, and he tells her <sighs> That's that. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, so, I, which I thought was odd. But to get back to the uh, the Ford as puppet, puppet master thing, I wanted to point something out when they first, uh, when they were first before they figured out that it was a lab, uh, a lab or a facility in there. Bernard even says, I think Ford had Clementine bring me here for a reason. That's his line. Mm-hmm. And so he obviously thinks Ford is still somehow in control. So how does mm-hmm. he know that? And the man in black obviously knows Ford is still somehow in control because he's talking to him again when he, when he, mm-hmm. You know, he's talking to Lawrence's daughter. How how could Ford have predicted all of that ahead of time? My theory is that Ford is likely using the cradle slash, you know, the CR4-DL simulator to plan ahead on everything. And that's why Mei Ling said somebody has taken it out. Remember, was the last episode? Last episode. She said, uh, Mei Ling said that somebody has taken it out. I I think Ford's all over that fucking cradle. And by the way, I don't think the cradle is the same thing as Lab 12, the thing that we were just in this episode, or Glory or the Valley Beyond. I, I think Glory and the Valley Beyond is something that we haven't seen yet, right? It's something bigger. It's something I don't know. Even I think it's the one nefarious. that ended up full of water. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I agree with you. The, the uh, Whatever lab that was in there is underwater, so don't know. Mm-hmm. I always took glory as another one of like the you've had this tortured backstory, but we never really fitted, filled it in. So here's Wyatt so that you can be tragic. Like glory is just a vague, not really real thing that they yeah, kind of aspire the to, but they're never black thinks it's real. Well, he's just telling this well, chump what he needs to hear. Right? I think it's the yeah, it's 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 the same place that Teddy's going to take Dolores to someday. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Oh, tomorrow, not today. Yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing. But it's obvious that the man in black knows that there's a real thing that's important, and so does Dolores, right? And she's looking yes. at it as a weapon. So the question is, see, I don't think it's Lab 12 that we were just in because, you know, Bernard had that place trashed, right? So why would they come back later in the season? And it's kind of a small room. It's, you know, it's not really that impressive. I think they're going for something bigger here, uh, something that we haven't seen. And for some and for some strange reason, I suspect it may have to do with that virus thingy from the new intro. I still think that's the the red brain marble that Ford might be living in. I think it looks totally the same. Like they even show like a three D printed version of that, like in one of uh, Bernard's flashbacks, and it looked awfully similar to me. Hmm. Okay. Sorry. No, I'll have to go. No, back no, and look no. That's a, that's that's an intri- No, I, I we're not stopping because we're like think you're an idiot. We're stopping because well, wow, that's an interesting theory. <gasps> I I always skip past the intro, and because you guys scared me shitless for this, I was like, oh, I better do my homework. And so I only watched the intro and skipped the rest of the show. Um, it's a real time saver that way. It really yeah. is to just talk. I mean, yeah. So so I like that. Do you remember Jim where we saw? 
where we saw that in Bernard's flashbacks? Was it this uh, episode? It was in this episode. I think it was okay. like 25 to 35 minutes in somewhere. Yeah, I know was, exactly okay. which scene uh, yeah. it's in. It does kind of look like that. It's it's not exact, but it's got the same kind of like arms moving around, the same kind of like um, almost fractally kind of look to it. Yeah, but it's not in a Petri dish like the thing in the intro. That's totally fair. Uh well, so the but, thing I'm curious about is the relationship of the marble to the cupcake. I think the marble goes in the cupcake. Well, whoever, whoever gets the cupcake with the marble wins the prize, right? <laughs> Sorry. What? Official? Well, apparently, sure. apparently <laughs> uh, the showrunners refer to the um, red pearl, not marble, but pearl. Okay, the pearl. They refer to the whole control unit thing as the chestnut. And oh! I thought to myself, does this explain the now title of episode two back in season one? <laughs> so, which is it, the one I remember sitting with Don and we like talked it over for a few minutes. Going, oh, we spent half of the show talking about that. It was, it was excruciating, you guys. Jesus. <laughs> so, I mean, did, are they really making us watch season one again? Because how many times have you two watched season one by now? Forty a piece. It's it's approaching that number. Hell, well, this episode alone, there, I but... watched five times. <laughs> enjoyed every minute. I've watched... a week old. <laughs> Hands down, I've watched this episode more than any other episode. Uh, like, the especially best. individually. Re- it's a yeah. really good episode, so that helps. Yeah. yeah. Well, there... it's it's one of those. It's the it's the sangria of season two. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> because you could get in a lot of trouble just spending all your time on this, but it's very smooth. And it's exactly what you want out of an episode. Getting white girl wasted God on the TV damn, show. Right. That's fun. That's not just white girl wasted. I've, I've hey. <laughs> completely shit hammered. Yeah, I've got I've shit hammered on Sangria. In fact, I this is funny because I was telling uh, Kelly about this absolutely fabulous Sangria that uh, my wife and I had week before last, and she was like, "Give me the recipe. Give me the recipe." So well, you need a Sangria where... post show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, see that that was where the parallel came from. Yeah, generally I drink. Generally, I drink adult drinks, but, uh, you know, Ouch. that's a story for another day. <laughs> oh, it's a low one, Kelly. I know, but sangria is delicious. My point is, it goes down easy, and if it's well-constructed, it is definitely a thing of beauty, and that's really where we are with this one. And it has food and in it. I love it. Like I love this. Sh- I love this episode. I mean, obviously, I love this show, but this episode, like, I don't know what it is about it that makes it stand out to me so much. Uh, it's not really something I can put my finger on, but I really, really like it. It's it. it I don't know. I th- I think it's just one of those more than the sum of its parts situations. So and and yeah. the tragedy is is that this is the only episode this season that Lisa Joy directed. Is that true? I know I'd, it's first, but I don't know if I don't know any of the. Other I think it is yet. the only one that she's uh, that's, directing. That's too bad because it feels like uh, to totally jump to a completely different fandom. Um, J.K. Rowling watching the third Harry Potter movie like gasped halfway through because there's a whole bit where Snape protects the three kids, in particular Harry, and she was like, "Oh my god, how do they even get this in?" Like this has that this episode has that same kind of feel of. She's really, really good at telling this story and really, really good about laying groundwork for things that will be apparent and impressive and shocking later on down the line like that it has that feel to it of of importance yeah well i think anytime either one of the showrunners 
uh, direct an episode, you get that vibe. It's like some of my favorite episodes were the ones that Nolan directed from season one, like, you know, the original, the first episode and episode 10, the bicameral mind. Um, so, uh, because it, you know, it's almost like it's got more gravitas. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of different places. There's so much information in here. Even after, I think it's been five, is it been four days? Four days now? Five days now? Yeah. Four days. Uh, my brain is still full. I've been dreaming about this shit at night. I, I got to tell you, the last couple of nights, and this is what I get for watching the goddamn episode uh, so long, I've been in that fucking fishbowl with James Delos having conversations with him. Uh, and that's not a place you want to be late at night while you're asleep. Uh because uh, Peter Milan is creepy as fuck. Uh, uh, so uh, it's and there's so much there's so much depth. That's why I went through freeze framing stuff, you know, to see like what what was the book that he was reading, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, what are the pictures on the wall? It's like Kelly, you said the record uh, labels. There, you know, they've got the the maze on them. Yeah. Um, every Every detail in this show, how do you how do you put it, Kelly? No, no frame wasted. No, no frame it? wasted. Yeah, no frame yep. wasted. Yeah. Woof. It's well, and the thing about it is that it is so dense. And what what I keep thinking when we get something that's almost an answer and is just one of those things that leads to eight more questions, the thing that keeps going through my head is how is this going to be on the second viewing of the season? Like going through the episode is one thing, but being able to go through as a season, because remember what we did with season one, like once we got to episode seven, even before we got anywhere else, finding out that Bernard is the final Cylon and then going back to episode one and watching through was a very different show. And then once we get to episode 10 and then going back and watching through again, it's still a very different show. And so, when I get those sort of answers or something happens and, Oh, what about this? And what about that? And oh, how does that so, fit in? So what's the inflection point for season two, in other words? Well, not just that, but because when we go back, you know, knowing what we know, like, what is the thing? That's the thing that I think about, because when you go back to the first, when you go back through season one, that second time through, you think about, Oh, well, Bernard's a robot. So, you know, as a host, da 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 da. Knowing that Ford, knowing how Ford ends up literally in episode ten, does that give you any more insight into those conversations we saw with him during the rest of the season? You know, once you know that Teresa's in on the plan, once you know where Dolores goes with the information that she has, once well, you know, and, once and you know, once you know that uh, you know William is the Man in Black. Right. Or yeah. that Ford is actually like in the mainframe, like accessing hosts directly. And oh, by we'll the way, I'm, 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 I'm sorry yeah. if we're spoiling the first season for everybody here. Whatever. <laughs> they should have watched it anyways. They know what they're in for. Um, but, so, but yeah, that's a total inflection point that would change the way this entire season has gone is knowing that Ford isn't just like, well, I'm dead now, but I was clever enough to, to 
you know, Make program ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. Make but nope, he's actually like living in a host and just a, you know, fuck you, Robert, just messing with people constantly. Because <laughs> he's just some kindly old man that wants to tell his stories, right? Or oh, he's... no, no, Jim, that, that's exactly it. He, he wants to tell his stories. Right? Yeah, the thing I keep coming back to is like, I don't know who the villain in this in this show is and i don't know that it has one which makes it a lot more compelling to me like i it's like you finish season one and you're like boy i really hate whoever size more somebody but i don't know that i i hate i'm not rooting against anybody which i find really interesting i don't know at this point i'm still kind of against the people, the people and i know suck. and i know you hate <laughs> logan even though i find him charming and so entertaining may he rest in peace oh but he's entertaining but i yes i know he you hates hate him. him precious I, I I think he's fun. I think I like and I like the actor too, which helps. He's but, super um, fun. I adore the actor. I love him as a foil, but just as a character. Oh, he's a just, real piece of ah, shit. I hate him. Yes. Well, I'm not and even, I talk... I'm not even convinced Charlotte Hale is a, vi- a villain necessarily. No, but Carl I want to know Strand. I want to know who she's trying to smuggle out because it seems yep. reasonably obvious that it's a host, it's a brain of a person. But it doesn't make sense to me that they'd try to get James Delos out because what good is he? Yeah, well, could, couldn't they just ask William to do that for them? Exactly, right? Well, who? Yeah, he unless it's because it he's the closest. Like that's the only thing that I can think of is that he was the one that they did the most work on, and so he's the one that is the closest to achieving whatever it was that they'd set out to do. But, so that's the only reason I think he might be the one, the, the, if there were one, he's the one they want to keep. But I don't think he's the specific, I don't think yeah. he's what they downloaded. I think what they downloaded was the how-to, how to, hmm. how, so, you know, the blank. Build, the, build a Delos for dummies, you know, like, I the, think that's the thing that they've got in Peter's head. The long and short of it is that these guys basically have abysmal, embarrassing, like, IT engineering. Like, there's no off-site backups. There's no source control. Like, there's no disaster recovery to speak of. Obviously. It's amateur hour. Like, they they spared every expense except where, it, like, they needed to not spare any expense. And they were like, oh, yeah, sure, CVS. That'll be fine. <laughs> and yet, yeah, the, the $40,000 hourglass that we set on fire. Every if time. I did the math, $5.9 million hourglasses based on 149 oh different yeah well done guys that's money well spent okay so i want to talk about one thing before uh we start uh fixing to wrap up here that was fascinating to me because it was glaringly obvious and both of you were like Arr? and it was uh the the last moment of the episode mm-hmm. and it was when oh uh, the reveal yeah we, we haven't talked about that someone ride out of the sunset, up to the man in black, and say, hi, Dad. Okay, in my defense, I said hi, Dad, seconds before she did, because that's a great obvious line, but I did not at all oh, no. get... No, that's, no, a, that's not no, what Kelly's, you missed. Kelly, no, no, the Kelly's, facial expression, I totally Kelly's missed talking the about the way, the way she said it, right, Kelly? Yeah, it's like, yes. you, you miserable piece of shit. Yes, she, like, she, her words were, hi, Dad. What she was saying what was, she fuck, said was, fuck you, dad, was, yeah. oh, Jesus Christ, I got to deal with this asshole again. And if you are a person who has had to make that face regularly, it is a face you recognize. So you guys were like, well, she smiled at him. And I'm like, no, no. Like, yes, technically that was a smile, but it wasn't a smile. It was 
It was, um, I'm smiling at you to distract you while I pull out my knife and jam it between your rib cage. Yeah, she was just, smiling everywhere just, with her eyes. Just yep. so you you uppity, uh, privileged white males think that uh, Kelly is some t- uh, somehow woman-splaining uh, it to us. Katya Herbers confirmed in the Harper's Bazaar uh, interview this week that Kelly is absolutely 100% right. Yeah, just watch it again. It's there. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's plain it's totally she's a good there. actress. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. she so does So what not... Don is saying is, if, white dude, you thought I was woman-splaining this to you, you're absolutely fucking right. <laughs> yes. <gasps> because clearly you needed it woman-splained because all you saw was a lady smiling at her father, and Ouch. that's not what it was. Not even a little. I and... I will raise my hand and say I I needed it explained to me and I I I totally took it the right way, but yeah uh, I and I thought what a great way to in that episode who were you who were you talking was it Tom you were talking to online who was watching the episode mm-hmm. and they thought they'd got to the last bit and you were like <laughs> Tom said oh shit like the first time and I and I didn't even know where he was in the episode and all I said was just wait. There's more oh shits. And then he said, this is my third oh shit or something like that. And I said, <laughs> and and you I said rep- that's all. <laughs> and I said, you're going to need I a said, second bucket. Well, <laughs> he said something about like, I'm going to need more oh shits or something like that. And I said, when you get to the closing credits, you will not be out of oh shits <laughs> because after the credits, we get the sneaky peeky for next week, which is the Maven Shogun World show. Oh my God! She that picks is up gonna a sword. Be, oh, that's going to be awesome. And remember, all she's really armed with at this point is Hector and Sizemore. Armistice. Well, yes. oh yes, we have Armistice. Okay. Well, the last, the, the first thing I was thinking of was just the three of them because they were the ones that were traveling. Her and Sizemore and Hector. Um, so I'm excited next week to see more Felix mm. uh, and Sylvester. And Armistice, uh, I would watch Armistice all day long um, in conjunction with my dearly wished for Lawrence and Man in Black road movie. I would also like to have the Felix Sylvester Armistice (laughs) road movie because that would be awesome. That (laughs) is just a really interesting set of characters, and I really want to see what they're up to the rest of the time. I hope we get a flashback uh, to uh, that whole sequence of the in between. But but I'm interested in uh, if uh, if uh, Dolores has cut off you know Teddy's pee pee for you know letting. I want to get back to Dolores this uh, a little bit this next episode. I also yes. uh, also want to see uh, if there's any of uh, Bernard and Elsie running through the park to get the get to the mesa because they're way the fuck out in sector twenty two. How are the hell so are they going to get back to the mesa? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and are we going to see more current timeline? Uh, and Charlotte, I, I haven't got myself some Charlotte for a whole episode. And is this is episode five when she walks into the room downstairs and has herself some Nard dogs? You know, <laughs> I want more of that too. I mean, not I, I certainly want Maeve and company in Shogun World, but I'd like you know I'd like it a little spread out there. So yeah, I can't wait to see what we get next week because that trailer, that little. Uh, you know, next like next week or whatever it was, um, 
I was like, I'm always excited for what's going to happen next week. But that one in particular was unbelievably exciting to me. I'm absolutely just. Well, think about the trailer for this episode. They they totally uh, pulled a fast one on us. We had no idea that it had to do with this James Delos shit and this at all uh, this lab. You know, the scenes I saw, it could have been back in Lab 14 from um, uh, the first episode. We didn't know Elsie was going to be in it. She wasn't in any right. of the previews. So who the fuck are they going to, you know, what are they going to pull out of a bag this time? So, and we know, <laughs> we know based on call sheets and other things is that Anthony Hopkins makes an appearance of some kind uh, this season. I, I don't think it's going to be episode five, but I'm. I'm guessing it's going to be six or seven. I'm also guessing it's slightly more than what we got already. Yeah, which is just which the voiceover. Which was the reflection but... in the yeah in the window. Yeah, well, he's not he's not going to miss the all you can eat Nard Dog buffet. So <laughs> Nard Dogs and Doritos. Oh boy! <laughs> Breakfast of champions. Way, just the way mom used to make. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this is why this is why we do this show is so we can talk about food. Um, that too. Uh, so have we covered it all? No, not even close. Not. But we're gonna wrap up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> what kind of question. Yeah, is to that? bring in another HBO show, Don, you sweet summer child. Um, <laughs> Which what's that from? Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Yes. I haven't heard of that. You'll have to tell me about it later. Oh, Jesus. You know, Jim tells me, crushes me before the show and tells me, because I made some Game of Thrones reference or whatever, tells me he's never seen Game of Thrones. And it was because he tried to watch the first episode and there were two beheadings like 10 minutes into the show and he could Right off the top, yeah. And it's like, how the fuck do you even watch Westworld, man? (laughs) (laughs) You have Game I know, of I Thrones like, threw you off. I just like cowboys. I don't know. I don't yeah, have I a guess good answer. So. <laughs> Sci-fi. Uh... <laughs> I, I didn't want well, to watch Sean Bean die in something else. I was. I'm so tired of him dying everywhere. You, you know, we were talking on iMessage this week, and I'd mentioned. You know, we were talking about consciousness transfer, and I said something like, uh, "the the only." The only believable explanation, you know, bullshit explanation I've seen or scenario is from Scalzi's, uh, John Scalzi's, uh, The Old Man's War. And uh, Jim said, well, I've never read that. And I, and I typed to him, am I going to have to come up, come up yeah. north and beat you like a redheaded <laughs> stepchild? You had to go take a long walk just to get calm again. See, the yeah, good news is that there's exactly. all this culture that I've missed that I still get to experience. So really, See, optimistically. Thing, well, is, get yeah. around to experiencing it, son. Yeah, well, whatever. And, and, there, and then we'll have a podcast about it. Yep, perfect. We'll do a yeah, exactly. Game of Thrones rewatch with a total yep. Jim finally gets around too. That'll Boy, I really like this little this little finger guy. He's great. I hope good things happen to him. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sean Bean is my favorite. I'm glad he's a main character on this. Yeah. Show. Oh man, I can't wait to see seven series, seven seasons of Sean Bean. This is going to be the best. Oh my be god. Uh, I would absolutely do that show with you. <laughs> I think it would be really fun oh, oh to god, get to no. rediscover all this stuff that I really like. Well, so... I'm actually I'm actually doing this with my sister now and she doesn't know any of the spoilers. And oh. for all the fantasy books that she's read 
she these uh George R. R. Martin she's never read it. And so it was just exciting to and she's a she's a writer, a professional writer to to watch remotely episode one of Game of Thrones with her and her extrapolate what could be going on and all the characters and stuff like that. And oh my sit there thinking to myself, Oh Christ, are you so wrong about this shit? <laughs> Yeah, but it's going to be um, great, you know. So, well, I have friends that have a a Game of Thrones podcast, and um, one of them has read the books, and one of them has not. And so, um, at least initially, it was really fun to listen to them because Anna, who read the books, it's Delta Park Project, and Anna, who read the books, was like, "Oh, that guy," and then (laughs) Jason would be like, "So, what's his deal?" And she's like, "Well, yeah." And then, so like every once in a while, you know, there'd be somebody beloved, and Jason would be like, "Is he gonna be okay?" And she's like, "I can't really say anything about that because in the books, this has been resolved." Yeah, don't don't get attached to anyone in that show, exactly. Jesus. Exactly. And no. so it was just really funny to listen to them. I mean, even you know, pre-red wedding and all of that. Like, it was just really funny to listen to <laughs> Jason yeah, I... be like, "But he's so great," or "This person's really awesome," or "I really like that character." You know, and it's somebody that inevitably, you know, disappears. And it was just like, as soon as he got attached to somebody, that was like the next person yeah, no. to go. That's why I like Westworld more. Like, I'm not afraid of getting attached to somebody, except for maybe Teddy, who was basically born to be the loser. Um, yeah. But it's like, that's okay. Death is very temporary in the Westworld for everybody but the humans. Well, and remember, that was an interesting thing that... We have to wrap up, but that was an interesting thing that the man in black said was death is the only true thing or the only truth. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I let's go ahead and leave it there. Uh, I'm going to give each of you one more sentence and then we're going to wrap it up. So Jim, what is the thing that you want to say? Um, going into this, I was really nervous because um, I was here actually for the rewatch episode four. Um Ghosts or guests are treated very differently in season two of Westworld than season one. So I'm glad that everything went just fine. Um, I think those are my closing thoughts. I can't top that one. All I can say is uh, after the length of this show, Jesus, do I have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> A pity on an old man here. You and James right, Delos. Then... Yes. <laughs> Then uh, we will leave it at that, and I will. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it. I have been your host for greetings from the Uncanny Valley, Kelly Gamont. With me as always is Don. Party on, Don. Party on, Garth. Thank you again to Jim Truer for uh, joining us today. Thanks so much for being on the show with us, thank Jim. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy to be here anytime. That's it was the so crowd much fun. clapping. <laughs> the and... crowd of one. <laughs> And again, thanks to Jason and everyone at Incomparable for hosting us. We will see you on Sunday night, the minute we're done watching the episode when we set the timer on the reaction show. And until then, be excellent to each other. I'm shutting okay. up now, Kelly. Don is right, shutting up. <laughs> Step into shutting up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>